Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today we're going to be talking about an insight that I wrote on the developing situation in Haiti following the assassination of President Jovenel Moise and the prospects of Haitian democracy going forward from this confusing and difficult situation. Yeah, so I mean, jumping right off from that point, right, confusing and difficult, I, I was reading this over when I was editing it. And you point this out is that it, you know, it might be a little bit confusing to readers. I mean, it, I think it was confusing, right, for both of us, right, sort of jumping into this yeah. subject material as we were studying it. Whereas, right, in the United States or other consolidated liberal democracies, roles are, you know, quite clearly defined, but you've got this odd situation in Haiti where, among other things, the acting prime minister is also the acting president, and his role is contested by a number of other people. Sort of talk us through that confusion and establish sort of how, how you work through it and yeah think about it i mean i was a lot of this stuff is fairly new to me and one of the things that i think is valuable by the way about this article if you enjoyed it i hope you did if you've listened to it or read it one of the things that i i, I was glad to do in this article was i was tearing my hair out when writing this mm-hmm because it was so convoluted. There were so many actors claiming different things and different titles and different privileges and like and competing with each other. And there was so much confusion. And I couldn't find anywhere, anything on the internet that really helped to break it down in a cohesive story. Right. So now my article's pretty short, but I cover the basics, I think, better than you'd find anywhere else or in a more cohesive manner than than I was able to find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So basically you just had these three different guys vying for the same job and then ultimately this new acting prime minister which every article you'll see will say that the prime minister of Haiti is being is going to be charged with involvement in this assassination of the former president. Right. But actually he's also the acting president. Right. And, and he's not really the prime minister, he's the acting prime minister. So there's just a lot, a lot of, going on. There's a lot going on that gets sort of swept under the rug right. and forgotten. But I think it's really important to 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 see that confusion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of news outlets, when reporting the story, have attempted to, like I said, not present the full story of what's going on. Right. Because it is confusing. Mm-hmm. And because most news outlets don't want to present anything that is even a little bit confusing, right? They want to give you the cut and dry, the black and white, something that's accessible, something that is you can come away with like a defined, clear idea about, right? But my feeling was that it's really important that readers see the confusion because that's at the heart of the problem of what's going on in Haiti. It's that it, there, it is not some simple cut and dry black and white situation. It's super complicated right. and messy right. because Haiti's democracy right now is super complicated and messy. And so if you if you if you hide that by sort of simplifying the situation or failing to provide reader with the details, I think really you aren't giving readers the story of what's really happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're giving them some some false picture of, of just part of it, you know? Right. And I mean, I think that's true, right? Is I think there is an incentive, generally speaking, to deal with the precise story at hand and whatever the things are that are like most immediately proximate required to give a baseline explanation. And, you know, you try to give a, 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 both a lay of the present land, right? But we also 
did a little bit of delving into sort of what structurally is going on in Haiti. You interviewed Brian yep. Kincannon, who's a human mm-hmm. rights lawyer and the founder. Shout out, Brian, if you're listening to this, thanks again for talking with me. It was, yeah. you know, it was a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's also the founder of the Institute for Justice and Democracy in Haiti. And he told us you a can, little bit. You can, you can find him on Twitter at Haiti Justice if you want to check him out. It's worth a follow. He posts good stuff. He's, he's a really smart guy, does good work. Right. So he gave us, right, I mean, obviously, you've got the situation with Haiti, right? You know, the origins of Haiti as a republic it started out as a, as a slaveholding colony by you know, held by the French throughout the 18th century. And then there was a, a slave rebellion led by Toussaint Louverture, butchering the name. Toussaint Louverture. Yeah. Thank you, Philip. Uh, and it was briefly a republic. But since then, it's sort of been throughout its history has been constantly subjected to interventions by western powers and so so, so sort of delving into that sort of structural element right we you know talked to brian kincannon and he sort of explained helped explain to us sort of how in the right in sort of the more recent context the united states has taken actions destabilized or manipulated haitian politics right because its own perceived you know interests, whether those be the interest, the national interest or the interest of, you know, highly influential stakeholders, either way, those interests have not always uh, aligned with the interests of, you know, the Haitian people or Haitian democracy abstractly. And so there has been a generally weak state in Haiti, which has, if you, you know, go and read some other things that Brian Kincannon has written, has made it particularly vulnerable to the uh, political effects of the earthquakes that have gone on one very recently, which killed 2,500 people and obviously the catastrophic earthquake in 2010. So structurally, right, we what we see is a an undermining. I think if and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think his point is, is is a structural sort of undermining of the development of Haitian democracy, right? Because it's contrary to perceived U- U.S. national interests. Well, and I th- I think the point is if a democracy is highly developed, and this goes you know topically to those claims from people who believe that Biden stole the election, one of the reasons why it's pretty ridiculous besides the fact that there's no positive evidence whatsoever is that once a democracy is developed and and what's the word consolidated Uh, consolidated thank you once a democracy is developed and consolidated and has these strong institute institutional and structural systems in place and procedures it becomes very hard to manipulate Mm -hmm. right from the outside or from actors on the inside. The more complex and the more institutionalized it is and the stronger it is, the more consolidated it is, the just harder it gets to manipulate. Right. And so from a U.S. perspective, if it has interests that it wants mm-hmm. out of Haiti, there is an incentive to keep the development of democracy weak. Right. Because if a regime remains in the hands of a few people... I hope I'm making sense. You are. If a regime remains in the hands of fewer people, it is easier to manipulate. I mean, it's very simple stuff. You know, if there's, if there's, you know, 200 people, 200 elites who really are pretty much in charge of the way a country is run. Right. Well, speaking abstractly, we're just speaking abstractly. Right. Well, you can go deal with 200 people. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to deal with 800,000 you know, for example. So I think that that is sure. just, that goes to, it, the U.S. has interests 
in Haiti, political and economic interests, and it has chosen a path of manipulating the the nation and its politics in order to see its perceived interests treated favorably, right? And to do that, that's meant an inhibition of the development of a strong and consolidated democracy in Haiti. And I think one of the instances that Brian Kincannon pointed to in my phone call with him was the 2004 kidnapping of... Jean-Bertrand Aristide. Yeah, the Haitian president at the time when Haiti had been experiencing about a decade of really strong and positive democratic development Mm -hmm. from 1995, which was essentially interrupted and that progress was really negated by American actions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's, it, it, it goes to a focus that I wrote a couple weeks ago about sort of how foreign policy is structured, how we conceive of democracy and foreign policy and democracy promotion and sort of the, the contradictions inherent to U.S. foreign policy, but also well, more recently discussions of Afghanistan and attempts to you know nation build and sort of back with U.S. military force, a state that we view as favorable to us rather than one that is not favorable to us for geostrategic reasons, economic reasons, right? You can, you, know, you name it. And this problem, right, which I think you see manifest itself across the world, right, in the Caribbean, for example, or in Central Asia, that one, there's this military problem, but also, and I think this is what, when we spoke to Brian, what he pointed out is that the way we use development aid frequently is funneled towards externally oriented industries, right? Industries that can take part in the global market, right? Which might be beneficial to, you know, the interests of capital in the United States, rather than uh, development aid that helps build maybe national production or national industry. Yeah. Um, and, and, And also U.S. food aid has in many ways undermined domestication agricultural industries too it's a good point yeah you know so um and this is something that i think people don't you know struggle with this question often enough which is yeah there are these geopolitical sort of strategic interests in why for example the united states would try to prop up regimes that are favorable to it even if they're not democratic right we wrote Harry wrote a piece just the other day about our withdrawal of missile uh, defense systems from Saudi Arabia, who has been a longtime strategic ally in the Middle East for the United States, who have a a monarchy which honestly uh, seems to resemble sort of like a a, a 16th or 17th century European monarchy, absolutist monarchy, like the, like the bourbons of France, right? It is so backward and so anathema to American political spirit and American political ideology. And yet we tolerate them because, or we have tolerated them in the past. Maybe that's changing with the Biden administration, at least minutely, but we have tolerated them because of their strategic value. Mm -hmm. But I think something, and a lot of people take that for granted. A lot of people say, you know, that is a legitimate way of doing foreign policy because you do need allies and the world of foreign policy is Machiavellian. And, you know, that's true to some extent, right? I I don't think we want to discount that fact, right? It's like sometimes you have to make deals with people. We had to win World War II by allying with the Soviets. Yeah. But I think here's, here's my point. And I just want to put something forward that's, I think, worth thinking about, which is that, you know, yeah, the world of foreign policy is, is Machiavellian and friendships are not as reliable 
as as keeping shared interests or shared interest or keeping someone materially in your pocket. Right. You know, you provide them with weapons. They can't do a lot without you, right? right? That's Saudi Arabia, for example. But I think that there, of course, is this idea of democratic peace theory, the idea that democracies like each other and won't go to war with each other. Right. Now, that's more tenuous and unreliable in practice, but I think there is merit to the idea that if you help develop democracy in countries, however they see fit to develop their democracy, mm -hmm. right? Even if it doesn't look exactly like American democracy, or even if it isn't super economically favorable at all times to America's democracy. Right. There is something to be said for the fact that in a democracy, foreign policy attitudes and decisions are not made, but they are shaped by an electorate. Right. Yes, and that's very a democratic true. electorate is not as Machiavellian as a dictator in its behavior. Right. Yes. And I Good think point. that there there is reason to believe that we don't need to treat every strategic alliance as democracy is basically a pointless add-on because all that matters is, is strategic relationships mm -hmm. and you want something reliable, not fickle. Right. I think there, there, there is this factor of democratic friendship and alliance that can be underrated when talking about foreign policy in that way. I don't know if any of that made a lot of sense. No, I think it does. I mean, I, I think that it's just that the U.S. is very selective because the U.S. does apply that, for example, to the nations of Europe or Japan yeah. on the day-to-day, -day, right? But it's just very selective about when and where that friendship matters, which then, as you point out, really suggests that the underlying thing that's going on is a perception of sort of Machiavellian interest. And I think it's mixed, right? I mean, I think that there's always this tension between ideals and, and pragmatic strategic sort of views yeah. and um, the interests of capital in the United States and, you know, genuine support for democracy by our elected political leaders around the world. I think all of those things are, are constantly at work and are in tension with each other in US foreign policy and sort of the general incoherence the often incoherent nature of U.S. foreign policy yeah. is a product of those tensions. But I think you're right. I mean, I think that sometimes, I think there is sort of an overwhelming sort of like, okay, it's interest, it's interest, it's interest. It's our Machiavellian interest here and there. Our national yeah. interest is important and that justifies, you know, this or that bad behavior. So I think that that is, I think that's important. And I think you're, you're right to point that out. Yeah, and I just think there may be more reason than people give credence to the idea that you can bring your Machiavellian interests in line with, with ideological goals mm -hmm. and, and idealism. The pragmatism and idealism, I think, aren't so out of whack if, if you place some trust in democracy. Right. But if you don't, and I think maybe this, is, this comes to an indictment of, of potentially the racism latent in American foreign policy and the history of American foreign policy. Right. It takes trust. And I think there's good reason to, to criticize the U.S. being less trusting of the development of democracy in places... In the global south. In the global like, south. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. And, and, and I think, you know, it just speaks to the fact that we've got to help to foster these relationships with countries like Haiti and not try to boss them around or dictate their destiny, mm -hmm. but where we can help them, help them on a path to democracy. Right. And my feeling is that in the long run, that's going to be just as beneficial to us as it would be to them. Right. I think that's a good point. I think that's about, about all for today, right? Yeah. That's all for today. If you enjoyed, 
consider subscribing to Spectacles in Conversation for more discussions like this between the editors from Reflections and Bird's Eye. If you'd like to hear each new article of focus and insight read aloud, follow the link in the show notes for Spectacles Out Loud. If you'd like to read or make a comment on the article we just discussed, there's also a link in the show notes for that, where you can also subscribe to our newsletter if you haven't already, to receive a new way of seeing politics in your inbox five days a week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Thanks.